church building, isn't it? it is. It's really cool. You really got to visit. You walk in, and there's a pool table. It's the first thing you see, and and, uh, and a foosball table, and an air hockey, and uh, tables, and they have this big uh, kitchen area with a counter, so you can have potlucks and everything. And then what you see first, though, is this big carpet and couches. That's their sanctuary. Is a big carpet with surrounded with couches, and um, it's a unique ch- church experience. It is really uh, something they 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 really focus on 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 people encountering Jesus personally through prayer, through soaking, through uh, spending time in God's presence, and through worship. Um, so that was great <coughs> uh, to see them move forward and, and uh, build their building. Uh, Dan uh, uh, travels the world. Uh, uh, representing Partners in Harvest, and it's such a, a treasure for us to be part of an organization. You know, there's churches all over the world that value the same things that we value, that value the Father heart message of God, value intimacy, hearing God's voice, value uh, restoration, being healed up, the principles of getting our hearts healed up, getting our bodies healed up, getting our spirits healed up, uh, value extending God's kingdom through signs and wonders. And that's, that's what Dan does. In fact, he just returned less than a week ago from Burma in Thailand. Would you please welcome Dan Slade. Bishop Dan Slade. Boom. The Apostle. Ay, ay, ay. I can't believe he said that. <laughs> Anyways, good morning, everybody. It is great to be here, and uh, we just love being with Cameron and Kathy and, and you folks here. I haven't been here in a couple of years, I think, but um, we think of you often, and we're very aware of the exciting adventures that you have in planting a new church and the multiplication that is going on here. And so obviously that's really exciting. And um, I actually want to kind of get right into the word um, this morning. And if you were here for the first session, how many were here for the first session? Just raise your hand. Okay, there's one or two. All right. I am going to be giving a completely different message uh, then the first uh, session on the the first session, I I talked about the importance of ministering to the poor. We'll yes, sir. We'll have both of them on the podcast. We will have both of them on the podcast. And um, basically, the essence of what I said in the first session was um, that an apostolic and prophetic church has a priority of ministering to the poor. And that is the calling upon your lives, upon this particular church here. Um, and I'm going to have a lot to say. I'm just going to kind of let it go after I pray in a minute. And I think this morning, the second session is going to, we're going to kind of nail some prophetic teaching times for you as a church. And I'm just going to open my mouth and trust the Lord to fill it. I kind of know where we're going but I think it's going to be more for your church. But I just want to go back to the, the first message. Um, the first recorded prophecy in the, in, the, in the New Testament was when a famine was going to come. And the response was that they had to give to the poor. And that came to apostles in Antioch. And... The, 
the essential aspect of having apostle, apostleship and prophetic foundations is to make sure that you're ministering to the poor. And so, Arriba, there you go. That was Acts chapter 11. I could say a lot about that. But you guys are on an adventure here. And uh, let's just pray. Lord, just, I just pray that you would, open, as I open my mouth, that you would just fill and give in season for this particular church a word in season. Arriba. Holy Spirit, come. I trust you. Stand in our midst as the apostle, as the prophet, as the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Just a real brief word about Partners in Harvest. Uh, we are a growing network, and this man right here is one of the reasons that we're growing. And many of you do not know that uh, Cameron is one of the guys that I really depend upon in our, in our network. Uh, we have only two full-time member, uh, staff, myself and a secretary in, in Toronto. Uh, partners expands and grows all around the world because of volunteerism. And um, behind the scenes, just the encouragement that Cameron is giving to me with strategy, with kind of expanding my vision and, and helping me think along the right lines for our network, uh, I just want to say I so, so appreciate um, what Cameron is doing. And his stature, you may or may not know that, is, is growing uh, exponentially within our network right now. Uh, God has really given him favor. He's giving him relationships. And we really need this guy in our network. I want to let you know. And I know he's a very busy guy. But um, one of the things that I'm going to ask you to do is to consider... At the offering time, at the end of the session, helping Cameron come over to London, England at the end of April. And we have a uh, UK slash Europe leaders gathering every April, every November. And it's, it's really important for us that Cameron starts connecting with our guys over in Europe and over in England. Uh, because he really is starting to carry a lot of the burden here, in, in, especially in the States, for Partners in Harvest. And so I'm just going to ask you to pray about that as you give your offering to consider. Uh, send, get you, all we're asking you to do is help him get a flight. We're going to take care of his hotel. We're going to take care of you know, in-country transportation, his meals, and all that kind of stuff. So is that okay if I just mention that to you this morning? That was my idea, by the way. That was not Cameron's idea. We really need him to connect internationally. So there you go. Okay, let's, turn, let's take our Bibles over and let's turn to Revelation chapter 11, verse 1. Revelation chapter 11, verse 1. So Lord, thank you what we're going to speak to New Day right now in Jesus' name. You folks are called to be an Antioch Center. What I mean by that is that historically, the revival started in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2, but because they were not able to fulfill the full mandate that they had uh, upon them to go to the nations, and they were narrow-minded, they were, got a little bit legalistic, and they had some ideas about Moses' law and ideas like that, 
God had to find a new center in the book of Acts. And what he found was a city called Antioch. In Acts chapter 11, Acts chapter 13, there is a, a, a revelation of how Antioch grew and the characteristics of an Antioch center. The Antioch center did not just affect the community. It affected the region and it affected the, the continent of Europe. It was a, a center, a church called to be not just local. Because churches sometimes have a candle. And I, my, you know, I've been in the ministry for 30 years and over the last many years I have the privilege of traveling around to many, many churches. And, um, I just want to let you know frankly, some churches have a candle. And some churches have a candlestick. A candle is when there's one lit. And it's great to see one aspect of the light of the gospel shining. But God needs candlestick churches. That is where there is sevenfold spirit operating in that church. And when people come into that church, they're aware that there's that the presence of God is there and there's a sevenfold spirit working there. Uh, in Revelation chapter two, verse five, Paul, um, excuse me, Jesus told the Ephesians there at the Ephesus church, repent. Go back to your first love so that I will not remove your candlestick. Not just that I won't remove your candle, but remove the candlestick. Because the candlestick spoke of great influence. One candle will have a degree or a measure of shining. A candlestick, that sevenfold candlestick, will have a much greater influence. And the Lord is calling you as the New Day Community Church here, and you've been faithful with what God has given to you. Uh, he's calling you not just to hold a candle, He's calling you to hold a candlestick. And so the prophetic word over you is to be an Antioch center that is holding a candlestick. And yet, there's a word that the Lord had put on my heart starting a couple of days ago, and I've actually never taught faith from this perspective before. But I want to let you know, I feel I have a word for you, and I hope you love me after this word, Arriba, that God is coming to your church to measure your faith. Because of the calling of the Antioch Center that he has upon your church. He is coming to you to measure you. To measure your faith. Now, many of us didn't think that, you know, that God would measure us. Because, you know, we're saved by grace and we love the message of grace. I love grace. And basically the ess essence of grace is that God accepts us for who we are. When we say yes to Christ, there's a full acceptance. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what, that is the, the essence of grace. Grace accepts us. Grace, grace comes to you and accepts you just where you are. At the same time, the New Testament teaches that the Lord Jesus is looking for something in us. He is looking to, for us to grow. He's looking for us to increase, and, and he, from time to time, he measures us. He really does. 
And in Revelation chapter 11, verse 1, now I know that this is speaking in Revelation and there's um, eschatological, you know, viewpoints to, to all of this. But there's a principle in here that I want you to see. Verse, verse 1 says this, um, John, that is the, the apostle, was given a reed like a measuring rod. And an angel stood by him saying, rise and measure the temple of God. The altar, that is the condition of the worship, what the worship really is at the altar, how sincere it is, how real it is, measure the altar. And then at the end it says, and measure those who worship there. Wow. Now, I know that this has, like I said, end times ramifications to it. But the principle is the same. The Lord comes to us and he measures us from time to time. And there's a read coming to New Day Church because there's a great call upon you guys. You are multiplying. You have vision. And, and, and there's, there's, there, there's a desire in the Lord to place his candlestick right here. Arriba. That it wouldn't, that Kalamazoo in Michigan does not just have a place of principles, but as a place of presence. Yes. Yes. North America has so many principles, but there's very few places you can go and experience presence. God is calling you to be a place of the presence. And so He does measure us. Over in Amos chapter 7, verses 7 to 8. The Lord speaks to Amos and says, look, I've put a plumb line in within my people. And the plumb line is to make sure that everything is straight as it's being built. And as your life is being built, as your strategy is being built, you've got to make sure that you have the plumb line of the Lord. And so God will put a prophetic plumb line in us sometimes. And he's looking he does measure faith. He looks for faith. Turn to Matthew chapter 8, verse 10, please. Matthew chapter 8. Arriba. Matthew chapter 8, verse 10. Jesus is speaking to a, cent a centurion here. And there's a need for a healing of the servant. And we know the story. And I don't want to get into it all. But the centurion has this, this faith. And in verse 10, Jesus says to him, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith. Great faith. Everybody say great faith. I've not found great faith even in Israel. Now, there's two things I want you to see here. Number one, Jesus says, I haven't found faith. That means that he's been looking. Jesus walks around looking for something. Arriba. Boom, boom. He looks for a, a number of things in us. But in using the term, I found, indicates that he's been searching. And he really likes it when he finds great faith. The other thing you're going to see here is that not all faith is the same. He said that that guy's faith was great. That's a comparative statement. As if to say, somewhere else, it's not so great. Whew. 
Thank you for grace, Lord. <laughs> Come on, I'm going to get serious. I'm going to take this sweater off right now. This is it. I'm serious about this message. Come on. I'm looking for great faith right here in Kalamazoo. That's what the Lord is saying to you. And if you look over in Luke chapter 17, verse 5, there was a discussion with the disciples that they themselves realized there was something lacking in their faith. And so they said to the Lord Jesus, increase our faith. Just because they were around watching some stuff going on, they had this great prayer. Because they were watching real faith at work. And they were seeing what real great faith could do. And so he's, they said, increase our faith. In other words, our faith has to get to a higher level. In um, Luke chapter 18, verse 8, the Lord says in the end of uh, kind of a discussion there, he's, he, he says, when, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So that means when the Lord Jesus is coming, he's going to be looking for people of great faith. And so, Lord, increase our faith right now. And so we want to kind of look a bit on, on the, the discussion of faith, because I believe that God is calling you as a church to increase your faith. So let's see what faith is all about. Number one, we know without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. For those who believe, let's just turn over there, actually. Those who come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Hebrews 11.6. Those who come to God must believe that he is, that you must believe in his nature, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Friends, it's worth having faith. At the end of it all, you will be rewarded for your faith. And when we get into eternity, some of us are going to be, and I, I believe... Let's hope for all of us are going to be rewarded for having great faith. We have 70, 80 years on earth in our internship to enter into eternity where, surprise, surprise, God is not a communist and not everybody gets the same size apartment, the same size jeans, the same size ugly Russian car like I've witnessed under communism for 12 years. God rewards those who diligently seek him. And he's going to reward faith. And so we've been called to please the Lord by walking in faith. Number two, second principle of faith. Over in Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says this. That to each one of us, at the end of the verse, to each one of us, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now, what does that mean? That means when you, in your new nature, when you got born again, you got the divine nature in you. 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. And in that new nature, in you and I, there is already faith. Everyone has been dealt a measure of faith. So I got faith, you got faith. You know, surprisingly, you know, outwardly, when we, we, we look different economically, we look differently. Maybe racially, we look, look, look differently. Socially, we look differently. When you get born again, we all look the same inside. We all get divine, the same divine nature inside of us when you are born again. Arriba. Man, woman, age, doesn't make a difference. You get born again, you have Christ's nature in you. You have, and I have, a measure of faith. Now the question is, what are we going to do with it? The question is, what are we going to do with it? Because God wants to increase our faith. Turn over to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Verse 3, and I love this because Paul is speaking here not just to an individual, he's speaking to a church. In Thessalonica. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, he's commending them and says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly. Come on. Your faith grows exceedingly. And so God wants our faith to grow. And the love every one of you have abounds towards each other. So God wants to increase our faith. And he commends the church that has increasing faith. Number three. Faith can waver. Matthew chapter 14. Let's turn over there. And we know the story about Jesus Walking on water, and he calls, or actually Peter wants to kind of see if this is, if this is really the Lord. How many of you have heard something you say, Lord, is this really you? You look different. I've never seen you walk on water before. I never heard you told me to do this before. Let's just try if this is you. And so, you know, we, we know the story. Verse 26, the disciples saw him walking on the sea. They were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. Many times when the Lord comes in revival, people say, it's a spirit. It's a ghost. That couldn't be the Lord. And it really is the Lord. And they cried out for fear. But immediately, Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord... If it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind that was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, Oh, you... Of little faith. Why did you doubt? Now we just read about a man who had great faith. There was another woman, a Gentile, who asked for the crumbs from the table. Who also, Jesus said, you have great faith. 
Now here Jesus is saying to this to, to his disciple, you have little faith. And what that really means in, in the original language is this. Underdeveloped faith. Faith that has not been developed to its full potential. Because remember, you have faith and I have faith. But it appears that there is something on our part in life that has to cooperate with God, not just to leave that faith at a static point, but to develop that faith. To, to in, in, have it increase and to, and, to, and to go on. I remember when I graduated from, from Bible school, and I had been to four years of theology, Greek, Hebrew, and all the things that I slept through. And, and, and um, at the end of our Bible school, we had a, uh, we had a uh, rule in our Bible school at the end of the year that if you did not have your tuition fully paid, then... You cannot walk down the aisle and get your diploma with your classmates. And uh, I, I thought, you know, this is this is not good, you know, because I still owed with seven days left. I owe two hundred and fifty dollars on my tuition. And I really after four years, I wanted to walk down the aisle. I wanted to get my graduation. I wanted to wear that funny cap and, and all the things. And I still owe two hundred and fifty dollars and they weren't going to let me graduate. And I had all this theology, I had all this knowledge, all this, you know, these books and textbooks and everything, but I didn't have $250. And, and so, you've been there. You've been there. So, so seven days left. I was praying, oh, God, help me. And I got a check in the mail for $250. I mean, it was wonderful. And, and I was just flying high. I was just full of joy. And, um, you know, I would walk down the dorm- dormitory hall and uh, I, out of my room, and I noticed that my friend's dorm room door was open. So I walked in, his name was, and his name was Melvin. And uh, he was sitting there at his desk looking really depressed. And uh, I said, Melvin, what's wrong? And uh, he said, well, you know, Dan, the rule of our, ch- our, our school, if you don't pay your full tuition, you don't graduate. And I owe $100. And I thought, oh, that's really too bad, Melvin, you know. I'm going to pray for you. And uh, I said, don't worry, Melvin. I'm going to pray for you. Just hope that everything's okay. And, you know, I prayed for him. And he still looked depressed after my prayer. And I walked out of the dorm room. And I walked back through the corridor back to my room. And I heard this voice. And this voice says, you know, Dan, you have $100. And I said, get thee behind me, Satan. Because <laughs> I had that $250 there in my room. And, and, <laughs> Just, that couldn't be God. And I walked in. I went through the whole day. You know, Dan, you have $100. Uh, you know, Dan, you have $100. I went to the dining hall. You know, Dan, you have $100. I went to the library. You know, Dan, you have $100. I went to look at the girls like I used to. You know, Dan, you have $100. <laughs> and two days, no sleep. You know, Dan, you have $100. And finally, I surrendered. <laughs> And I, I walked back to Melvin. Now, and this is really funny. This is the oddest thing. I walked back to his room, and it looked like in 48 hours he had not changed position. He was still sitting there at the same desk looking depressed. I know he must have gone to the bathroom or something, but 
you know, and I walked in and I, the first thing I said to him, Melvin, does anybody, have you got the $100 yet? You know, I was really hoping that some, someone else will provide. And he says, no. And, uh, he, and he, he, and I said, okay. And all of a sudden his depression got on me as I pulled out the hundred dollars and said, here you go, Melvin. Here's your hundred bucks. And all of a sudden my joy got on him. And it was just like this divine exchange that happened. He was joyful. I was depressed. I walked out. I'm a hundred dollars short with five days left. And I'm going, oh, God. Now, so here, here's the lesson, friends. Here's the lesson that I've never, ever forgotten. I had four years of knowledge. But at the end of it all, God wanted to teach me faith. I mean, I could, I could look in the lexicons. I could go back and forth on certain alpha, Greek alphabets, Hebrew stuff, and da-da-da-da, which I've forgotten already since. But at the end of it all, the Lord wanted to measure, not my knowledge. He wanted to measure and put a plumb line into my heart as a future minister who need, was going to need a lot of faith to walk with guys like Cameron. I mean, I mean, just to be a missionary and to, to do stuff like that. So... Jesus said to Peter, your faith hasn't been developed to its full potential, even though it is in you because of the divine nature. I want you to to de develop your faith. And so. Oh, I didn't finish the story. I'm glad you're here. I'm still waiting for my diploma. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, um, I went and begged in Calgary. No, I, this, this actually is a great story because uh, I think it was about two days later, I got a check in the mail that had been sent from Pennsylvania to Alberta, where my Bible school was, Western Canada, 10 days previously. And the check was for $400. Sharaba. It was already in the mail. So the, the ram was already in the thicket. He just wants to test your obedience. The ram was already in the thicket. The check was already in the mail. Shout out about you want to preach? No, man. And I got my joy back again. But I never forgot that lesson. God wants us to develop our faith. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the rhema of God. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Not just the book, but the, the rhema, the, the voice of the Lord. Logos is the complete message. Rhema is the specific word for the specific situation. And we need to learn to hear the Lord specifically in a specific situation, the rhema of the Lord, in order to walk by faith. When Peter and his disciples were fishing in another passage, they were fishing all night, they caught nothing. Jesus called out, throw your nets on the other side. And they said, Lord, we've been toiling all night. 
Nevertheless, at your rhema, at your specific word for this situation, I'm going to change my nets from this side to that side. And what that really means, friends, is that in order for us to walk by faith, we've got to do more than just read the Bible. We've got to hear the voice in the Bible. We can read the Logos. Here's the thing, very, very frankly. There are people who have incredible knowledge about the Logos and do not walk by faith because they don't respond to the rhema. Church is full of it. North America, Western Christianity is, 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 is full of it. Head knowledge, people who have incredible knowledge and can go back and forth on doctrine, post-mill, pre-mill, post-trib, Calvinism, Arminianism, whatever you want to call it. And not in their personal lives be walking by the rhema of the Lord. Walking by faith. Faith comes by hearing not by reading. Now, reading helps. Read all you can. Get meditation as much as you can. Arriba. But here's the question for a new day. What is the rhema for a new day? Because the Christian life is an adventure. Where you... There, here's, here's, here's the edge. And there's the, there's, the, there's the risk. And John Wimber said, faith is spelled... R-I-S-K. That's how you spell faith. R-I-S-K. Risk. Am I going to walk over? You know, I was just, I, I just got to let you know that, you know, just to give you an example of this. Um, back in August, I was waiting before the Lord. And I, I don't want you know, to talk about that, but it was one o'clock in the morning and I've been waiting before the Lord. And the Lord says to me, out of the book of Isaiah, I'm going to open rivers in a dry land. And he said to me, that is Burma, Bangladesh, and Thailand. It's the whole Southeast Asia portion. And frankly, that was not on my radar at all. But I heard him say that. And the reason that I went to Burma, and I just left this past trip on Monday, was because of that rhema. And when I was over there, I want to let you know, God opened a river. This time, last Sunday, around this time, time difference included, I was preaching, and the joy of the Lord came into this little church of about 80, 90 people in Burma, and they were laughing, and God opened up a river this time last week. And they are going to be our partners in Harvest Base in Burma and probably for all of Southeast Asia. But the reason it happened is I heard the Lord. I would not have gone to Burma just for the sake of a trip. I I don't need that. But faith comes by hearing. And so the adventure for a church, for a ministry, for an individual, not not what God is saying five years ago, but what he is saying today. Arriba. How do you measure your faith? You can measure your faith by your words. Second Corinthians chapter four, 
Verse 6, Paul says, I have the spirit of faith, the same spirit of faith, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. See, you will speak what you believe. You will speak the spirit of either faith or the spirit of unbelief in your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And so one of the ways that you can measure your faith is listen to yourself or have your husband or your wife listen to you. Is it a spirit of faith or is it a spirit of unbelief? You know, time is, is, is running out and I know the spaghetti is waiting. And I know you guys are here for the spaghetti. Arriba. But I, I want to say very sincerely to you guys. There's a great call upon your church to influence the world. Come on. Not just this community. Yeah. You, you are an Antioch center. And the Lord is now in the process mm-hmm. of setting a candlestick. Mm-hmm. Not just a candle, mm-hmm. but a candlestick in your midst. So that ultimately the influence is him, not us. Right. It's his presence, not us. We just host him. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And I want to pray for you that this calling of the Antioch Center, this calling of the Lampstand Church would be received. So, Father, in Jesus' name. I'm asking that you would increase the faith of this congregation as you did for the whole church in Thessalonica. Ever-increasing faith. That not just Cameron, not just Kathy, not just the leadership core, but all of them would say, yes, we believe that we can be a lampstand center for this region and for the world. So, Lord, impart faith. And I pray that you would develop their faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Brother, there you go.